Um, we are in our journey through Lent series. We are walking with the people of Israel through their journey in the desert in Exodus. We're trying to relate their journey with our journey because each one of us is on a journey in life. Then also looking at Jesus' journey as we head towards the end of this to see how Jesus did what the Israelites could not do. I encourage you to bring this with you. This is your journey packet. We are going to be adding another um, flyer to it today. You'll see this in your uh, insert. You can take notes on it today. You can do whatever you want. But I encourage you as you end this week, as you go through, as you end today and go through this week, that you would take some time to answer these questions for yourself. If all we do is come here and listen to the word and do nothing with it, guess what? Nothing's going to change, right? So this is one of those things that we hope helps you engage your prayer life and engage your faith life. Today we are in Exodus 14. We're ending Exodus 14 together, looking at verses 13 through 25 and looking at God's deliverance of Israel. Let us see what the scripture says. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to stand still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the Red Sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, though his chariots and his horse through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in the front of Israel's armies, withdrew behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them coming between them and the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through on the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and to their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving, and the Egyptians said, Let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. And I'm just now realizing I don't have my crutch, which is my Bible. So we're just going to have to go without the Bible today, my friends. That's not true. We're going with the Bible, just without the printed version of it. How about that? So I have a question for you. Do you ever get confused by mixed signals in your life? I get confused by mixed signals. I get confused by the signals of this world that will tell me, hey, just be yourself. Be who you are. But then they also tell me, well, while you're being yourself, if you could just look like I want you to look and act like I want you to act, then that would be really great too. So be yourself, but within the confines that I tell you you should be. Or maybe it's like these signals here. Joe, mixed signal, right? Don't enter, enter only. What's the next one? 
No pets allowed, but you know, all pets on a leash are okay. What's the next one? Oh, yeah. This is for bikes, but no bikes. Next one, last one. Stop, but keep moving. Life like this feels like, this feels like life to me a lot of days, where the message is, keep moving, but stop. Where the message is, ah, no bikes allowed, but hey, bikes are welcome here. And you're left to figure out what it is you're supposed to do in this exact moment. When we see the Israelites, that's exactly where they are. They are crying out. If we remember last week, we left them. And where we left them was that they were stranded. They were stuck between the army of the Egyptians on one side and the Red Sea on another. They literally had no clue what they were supposed to do, how they were going to be delivered from their either death by the sea or death from the, Israel, or from the Egyptians. They were stuck. And they were crying out to God. They were saying to God, why in the world would you bring me here? Why did you take us up out of Egypt? We're sure we were miserable. But it, we like the comfort of the misery we know, right? So why didn't you just leave us in the comfort of the misery that we knew to bring us out to this new place to die? They said, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Is that the problem? Why did you bring us here, God? And so they're crying out to God. They're wondering where God is. They're wondering why they are here in the midst of certain death. And Moses says to them, he says to them, be still. Be still, and the Lord will fight for you. Be still and watch how God rescues you from this moment. And then the very next verse is God saying, why are you still? Seriously, why are you crying and why are you still? You need to get moving. And I feel this in my spiritual relationship with God because there's a lot of places in Scripture where we're told that we need to be still. And then there's lots of places in Scripture where we're told we need to get moving, where we need to be active, where we need to be participants in the process. Here we have them right in the same piece of Scripture. Be still and get moving. What does that mean for us in our walk? And what does that mean for us as God works to deliver us from the places where we are stuck? Because what we are promised and what we've been looking at over these past few weeks is that God sees you. God sees where you are stuck. God sees where you are hurting. Not only does God see you, but God cares, right? God cares about your problems. God cares about your struggles. God cares about where you are hurting. Not only does God see, not only does God care, but God has a plan. God has a plan to deliver you from those places where you are stuck. And today we're going to look at how God's plan in all things, that God is faithful to deliver you, that God's faithful to make that plan happen, that God is faithful in our lives. But in order for us to experience God's plan, in order for us to experience God's faithfulness, we have to figure out a few things, like the Israelites did. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to experience together what it means to be delivered by God's plans. Not by our plans, because I promise you, I have them. I have spreadsheets, I have outlines, I have checklists, all of which I could wish I could give to God. And just have him follow, because if he did, my life would be perfect. I don't know about you. But everything would work just 
But today we're going to look at how it is we tie ourselves to God's plans. So you see here, they're stuck. There's the Egyptians who want to either enslave them again or kill them, and then there's the sea, and they have no idea how on earth they can fix this problem. They have no earthly solutions to this huge problem that's in front of them. Most of us have been in a place like that or have walked with somebody who is in a place like that. There is no earthly solution to the problem that you were experiencing or all of the solutions that you've proposed have not worked out or have just not come to be. So how is it that we experience God's plan, God's plan of deliverance for our lives? The first thing we want to look at is the being still. What Moses is talking about here is not a physical being still. Moses wasn't telling them not to take any action. What Moses was saying was that we need to still our minds. The idea of stillness talks really about moving, movement, rippling, and it has to do not only with our bodies, but with our souls and our minds. And what was happening with the Israelites was not that they were doing too much action. What was happening with the Israelites in that moment, in that space, was that their minds were freaking out. Their minds were going crazy. Their minds were filled with anxiety and fear and anticipation of what they thought could only be one outcome. And when our minds are filled with anticipation of fear, anticipation of death, anticipation of the worst, when we can't see our way out of a problem, when we're filled with anxiety and worry, we can't experience the presence of God. We can't experience the deliverance of God. We can't see God's plan working in our lives because the only place that we are experiencing anything is in that place of fear. When our minds are overrun with anxiety, all we see is the trouble around us and we fail to see God working in that problem. So what Moses was telling the Israelites was not to necessarily be physically still, but to choose to make a conscious choice to still their minds. And to bring faith back into the picture. To bring trust back into the picture. What Moses was telling the Israelites was that faith and trust is an active choice that we make. More often than not, it's something that we choose and not something that happens just accidentally. When we are in the midst of a storm, when someone we love is in the midst of a storm, in order to experience God's plan, in order to experience peace, we have to choose actively trust, obedience, and faith. And that's not easy. It is not easy to choose obedience and trust and faith when all of your worldly problems are pulling your mind in other directions. And it's not easy to choose trust and obedience and faith when somebody that you love is suffering so much. And you don't see how just trusting is going to fix anything. It's hard to choose trust, obedience, and faith when rent is due in four days and you know you're not going to have that money. How in the world does faith fix my very real problem. 
But what Moses is trying to express to the Israelites is that if we don't choose actively to give our faith to God and not to the things of this world, to trust that God has a plan, even if what we want to happen does not happen, that God is faithful. That not only will we not see God's plan working in the midst of us, we will also be broken in the process by our expectations and our hopes that are dashed. Because more often than not, the way that God answers the problems in front of us has nothing to do with the way the world works. I mean, think about what God does here for the Israelites, right? Israel sees Egypt as being a problem. If I was going to fix that, I would just make the Egyptians turn around and go home. Or, if I was going to fix it, I would have not brought us there in the first place, knowing that Israel or the Egyptians were going to follow us, right? There's a million ways that I could have fixed that problem. But what God chooses to do is something I promise none of them thought about. God chooses to use a human instrument, Moses, to lift his staff, which God did not need Moses to do, but allowed Moses to participate in the process, and then took the supernatural winds and divided the water. I promise you, that is not a solution that they came up with on their own. Not only that, but God's agents are involved in this process. Did you notice in the scripture how it says that the angel of God's army, the angel of God's army who had been with them all along, which I don't even know if they noticed, moved from the back to the front, moved from where they are to in between them and Egypt. Instead of leading them forward, it moved to protect them to be a wall of protection between Israel and Egypt. Not only that, but the cloud of fire, which was God's presence, moved from the position it was in the back to being right in front with that angel. And so as the water is being moved into different places so that they can walk on dry ground, this cloud is making it so that Egypt is in the dark and Israel is in the light. It's making it so that Egypt cannot see anything and that Israel can see where they're walking. So as they walk through the sea, there's direction for them. And that as, now think about this, 600,000 men plus all of their family and all of their animals are here in this moment. Think about how many people that is. Think about how long it took that group of people to walk from one side of the Red Sea to the other. And all that time, the angel of God's army is protecting them. And the presence of God is lighting their path and darkening the path of the Egyptians. So what did Egypt have to do? What did the Israelites have to do in order to participate in this process? If they were still, right, like Moses said, be still, if the stillness had to do with the actual movement of their bodies, they would not have left where they were and walked across the dry land to the other side of the sea, right? In order for them to experience God's deliverance in their lives, they had to move. They had to go from one side of the sea to the other side of the sea. So the stillness is the stillness of our minds, but then we also have to move. We have to participate in God's plan for us. We have to move forward we in trust and in faith. They had to walk on that dry ground. Yes, it was dry, but there was still a wall of water on each side. They had to trust that that water was not going to come crashing down on them. 
They had to trust that they had time to get one front side, from one side to another. And in our faith walk, we have to do the same. We have to trust. We have to have faith. We have to obey God. We have to move forward knowing that God is going to protect us on our journey, that God has our best interests at heart, that God is always working for our good even if we don't see it, even if the outcome that we want is not what happens. In our faith journey, we must both be still and move. It's a both and. We must still our minds so that we can focus on the presence of God and God's truth and God's promise and then move toward that promise one step at a time, believing that we will not be left behind. This week, I'm asking you to ask a few questions. You see, Israel was delivered through the sea, not for their own good. You know, God delivered them not so they could go back to the life that they were living before. God delivered this specific group of people so that they could be a ray of light to communities around them, so that they, the people around them, could see that God is real. You and I are delivered from the situations in our lives not for our own good, not so that we can gain something in the process, but so that we can be light bearers for God in the community around us. So this week, consider how God is working in you, working to deliver you so that you can be an instrument of God's goodness to the world around you. I'm also asking you to consider how you may not be certain of God's plan, but you can be certain of God's intention. Think about that for a minute. Israel should have been certain of God's intentions. They did not know how they were going to get out of their problem. They did not know how God was going to solve things for them. But they could be certain of God's intention for them, and so can you. God has a plan for you. God is faithful to that plan, and so you can be certain of God's intention for good in your life. How can you be participating in that, and how can you see God's goodness instead of being lost in the futility of the situation that you're in? Today, I'm going to ask you, like we did last week, to come forward during our last song. Each week, we're going to give to God something that's going to burn on the cross with Jesus on Good Friday. Today, I'm asking you to leave that place where you need to see deliverance at the cross, trusting that God sees that need, trusting that God cares about that need, and trusting that God has a plan and will be faithful to you in that need. I know that sometimes we can get stuck wondering which way we're supposed to go, wondering how God's going to fix this plan. And what I want us to understand today is that it's both and. We need to both be still and we need to also move believing that even if we can't understand God's plan, we can be certain of God's intention, God's intention for goodness in our lives. So as you stand, please come forward, fold up your paper. Nobody will ever read these. We are going to set them on fire on Good Friday so that they are nailed and die on the cross as Jesus did. Place them when you're ready. Let us stand together.